and boom goes the dynamite. And boom goes the dynamite. And welcome to a day late special edition of Boom Goes the Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me today is a special guest. He is the NPR voice of professional wrestling here on the PWM Podcast Network. Please welcome from the military industrial suplex, Tom Batista. Tom, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Jeffrey. Thanks for inviting me here. Uh, should be a good show review. All out 2021. Absolutely amazing. Can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, uh, we were supposed to do this yesterday, and my laptop has just decided to basically shit itself. So um, <laughs> it's uh, it's been fun. It, it, it's been fun, by which I mean it has not been fun at all. And uh, I, I, I saw you, Paul. I saw you tweeting out saying that you, you leave for two weeks, and this is what happens. So, yes, this is all your fault, Paul. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. We blame Paul. That's it's all right. his fault. That's right. Paul. It's kind of like another Paul in pro wrestling. Uh, we may touch on that. Yeah, we may have to, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> but if your name is Paul, you're not doing well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just going to leave that there because uh, that, that will get into some... Uh some drama on my side of things so okay. <laughs> uh no no not with my co-host either uh okay. so someone else named paul we, we, we will just leave it at that uh did you i mean we, we, uh, well i mean this was a big big weekend for wrestling in the hoffman estates illinois uh area because <laughs> oh yeah holy shit a lot happened and i, I was still kind of sad i didn't get to go to any of it but you know what uh delta variant is no joke so I just decided, you know, this, uh, I just decided, you know what, it's better to be safe than sorry. And even Eddie Kingston himself says he gets it. So, you know, he, 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 uh, so shout out to the Mad King who we're going to be talking about, uh, momentarily here. Um, did you happen to see Rampage? Yes, I did see Rampage. It was a great show. The concept of Rampage, I was worried about it. Uh, because we, a lot of us, a lot of the listeners, I assume, know about WCW Thunder and what happened to WCW once Thunder came aboard uh, SmackDown for a considerable amount of time after its heyday, after the Big Six era, uh, started to become filler and mainly a show to uh, advertise Raw. 
Um, so we thought Rampage would be that. Thus far, it hasn't been. It's been a nice, clean hour of wrestling that pushes stories forward. It's been a very complimentary piece to Dynamite. It, so, yes. uh, and, of course, you know, we, we mentioned WCW Thunder. Shout out to Dave and, and Lee of Days of Thunder here on the PWOM Podcast Network. <laughs> now I wish I said uh, Thunder is a great show that is fantastic and should be watched and rewatched. So yes, listen uh, to Days of Thunder. Um, yeah, and of course, you know this past rampage, of course, gave us you know possibly one of the uh, one of the one of the best lines we've heard in wrestling in quite some time. That's right. Thank, thanks to oh, again the Mad King Eddie Kingston. Redeem these nuts. Oh my god. Absolutely amazing. That, Are you that, getting a redeem these nuts shirt? Uh you know, I, I might get I might get uh murdered by <laughs> by someone in my house if I did, so yeah. I I, I, I may not. I may I may have to unfortunately um <laughs> hide that one away. But um yeah, so that was fun. Uh, you know, GCW Black Label Pro three cup stuffed w- w- was fun. You know, it pushed the uh, you know it, it actually you know pushed the uh, the main event of Art of War games quite a bit. You know the uh, you know the the feud between Team MDK and Four Four O. Yeah, Ricky Shane Page, amazing heel work he's done in in GCW. Uh- but oh, yeah, also, he's, he's fantastic. But also, let's not forget Matt Cardona, because uh, Matt Cardona, the job he's done in GCW, has been an absolute masterclass in in getting heat. Like it, it's just, I, 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 I the wrestlers and fans alike need to study this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I'm serious. I'm dead serious. Yeah, no, Matt Cardona has done a really good job post WWE. Um, he's definitely trying to reinvent himself, explore other avenues of pro wrestling, uh, get himself heat, get himself interest. Uh, he could easily cruise on the Zack Ryder stuff. He's trying not to. Uh, so I respect what he's doing. I'm looking forward to see what he does next year. But, well, before we get to next year, the rest of this year, and then next year. The the, the way that he came out on, on Saturday, dressed like... Randy Savage with, with with a custom made molded crown that said Deathmatch King on it, and you know just this bright you know pastel colored trunks also saying Deathmatch King on it, <laughs> just amazing. Like how how do you not look at this and and, and realize the 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 genius uh, of this all? And then you know John Moxley of course becomes the GCW champion to uh, lay out a challenge. To Nick Gage, which that will be happening October 9th in Atlantic City uh, at a GCW show. So, yeah, yeah. be really interesting to see. Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 yeah, GCW, has, it, not only has it become the, the, the next super indie somehow, some way, but it, it is thoroughly eating Combat Zone's lunch. You know? <laughs> Just, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Combat Zone is... Passe, as the kids would say. Well, I don't think any kids are saying passe. What's the, what's the new slang for old? Uh just boomer, I guess. Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> it, it's the it's the boomer 
uh, deathmatch fed at this point. I don't know. <laughs> is that what we want to describe it as? Uh, okay. I don't know. I mean, but yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, GCW did did a great job uh, this weekend uh, with their shows. Uh, all righty. So let's, uh, oh, and before we go, uh, we, we, we should, uh, take, take a moment here to, uh, to, to pay tribute to the life of, uh, of, uh, Sharon Spurl, AKA Daphne Unger, uh, tragically, uh, took her life, uh, this past week. Just, yeah, just God awful, just a, a, a tragic situation. An absolutely awful situation. Um, I would hope that people remember her not for uh, the last images and video and moments shared uh, with the public. Unfortunately, uh, that video has circulated uh, throughout the Internet, uh, so it can be found in various places. Um, But I hope that people really gravitate towards and look at the things that made us happy and made us care about her in the first place. Uh, her work in WCW, her work in TNA, her work in uh, various other promotions uh, around this country. Um, she was very entertaining, way ahead of her time. Uh, not really appreciated fully uh, by the promotions that she worked with, but really appreciated and embraced by the fans. Uh, even at one point, being part of some of the highest rated segments in TNA history. Uh, when you start taking a look at the evolution of the knockouts. Uh, during that time frame so yeah always loved her was always a fan it really sucks that this happened and um yeah rest in peace yeah i i just yeah i can't really put it any better than that it's uh just just a shame and we our thoughts of course with her 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 family friends and loved ones um all over the world so uh just uh i hope you're feeling i i you know i don't even know what to say Honestly, words fail me. Yeah, it's a you know. very difficult situation. So, uh, but we we are here, of course, to discuss AEW All Out 2021, which was on September the fifth, 2021, from the Now Arena in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Your hosts, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur. Uh, the pre-show match, the buy-in. Which was kind of a last-second booking because of uh, Pac and Andrade Il Idolo not happening. Uh, which, you know, rightly put the, the Women's Casino Battle Royale onto the main show. Which is just what we wanted, honestly. So, I mean, maybe they, they should keep that in mind in future as well. Um, so, the pre-show match, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Wheeler, Utah... Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy versus, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, um, Matt Hardy, Private Party, and the Hybrid Two. Um, this was what it was—an an opening pre-match ten-man spot fest. Yeah, and it did exactly what it needed to do. It was very entertaining. Got the crowd hyped. Got them ready for the pay-per-view. Uh, everyone was over. Everyone did a good job. The right team won. So, of course, uh, sending the people home, well, not sending them home happy, but <laughs> letting them be happy yeah, I mean. before you go right into the big pay-per-view. You don't want to start off with a uh, a wet fart, if you will. Yeah, no, you you really don't. And this was a good way to, to get started. Uh, Jungle Boy does get the win, uh, tapping out Angelico with the, the snare trap uh, STF. So uh, yeah, so that that was a good way to open it up, and then uh, we go into the main show proper, 
starting right off with the TNT Championship, the Redeemer, God's favorite champion, Miro, versus the Mad King, Eddie Kingston, already coming out with the T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, he already had the T-shirt, Pro Wrestling Tees. Uh, they do some pretty amazing work. Those T-shirts come out within hours and in this case, it looked like it was just 24 hours. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, again, I, I want one of those shirts. I know I'd get murdered if I got one of those shirts. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was a really good match. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, this this match was it just felt big. It felt important. The story going into the match, it wasn't convoluted. It wasn't these guys fighting over a Japanese shampoo commercial or anything silly. These guys want to fight. Eddie Kingston wants the title. Mirror wants to eliminate any threats that comes his way. He's ready to fight. This felt huge. I really enjoyed the stare down at the beginning. The crowd was 100% behind Eddie. This is pro wrestling. This was a really good match, really great atmosphere. Uh, a lot of the match was built around Eddie Kingston trying to get Miro in a DDT or in a suplex to really damage his neck. And you could see the entire match was built around that of Miro getting out of the way or trying to protect his neck, holding his neck, uh, modif remodifying his offense. It, it was really great, really well done. Did you see Miro's chest by the end of this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought he was. If you just showed me a picture of Miro's chest, I would have thought AEW signed Walter. <laughs> Miro's chest looks terrible. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, it, it, again, it was just you know the 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 unstoppable brute force that is Miro against a uh, you know the 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 four pillars acolyte in Eddie Kingston. Like I mean, he was in he he was full on Kawada mode today on oh, this yeah. show. Like yeah, he he just oh man. Yeah, no, this was a great way to start the show, except for we had a little bit of heat from the referee because Bryce Remsburg possibly screwed Eddie Kingston. Yeah, Bryce definitely got it from the Chicago crowd, or the crowd, I should say, in Hoffman's Estates. And um, it really it worked for the match. It didn't take away from the match. Bryce being out of position and coming back, uh, Eddie Kingston can use that as, hey, listen, I could have got you, but it's this damn ref. Let's do it again. This time, no ref or whatever it is, or no hose barred. I don't want anybody in the way. I don't want any excuses. So this really sets up uh, the next match. And obviously, these guys have more matches in them. So I didn't mind the Bryce uh, Rensburg spot. I thought it was hilarious. I was laughing at the time. And they got the right kind of heat. No one started uh, chanting, fuck Tony Khan or, you know, fire. Well, it would be fire Tony Khan because he handles uh, the main booking there, if not all of it. Uh, yeah, no hijacking of the show. Everybody went with it. It was the right type of heat. And it did not impact the match. And that's the most important part. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine that they're going to let this thread drop after two weeks because this, is, this has been business. I mean, it, it has been business, so I, I hope AEW recognizes that and we get another, at least get another match between uh, Miro and Eddie Kingston. Miro does, of course, retain. Um, yeah, so we'll see. And Miro, you know, 
took to Twitter to say to tell Eddie that his nuts have been redeemed. So that's right. Our second match of the evening, which I thought <laughs> might have been the opener, honestly, uh, John Moxley versus uh, Satoshi Kojima from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, I do like the fact that uh, John Moxley did come out in a GCW hoodie. Yes. Yeah, with with the it, now it's a damn shame. Two things were a damn shame. Number one, that you know Tony Khan and Brett Lauderdale didn't see fit to make this a GCW title match because that just would have been <laughs> mind blowing. You know, <laughs> come on, we, we we can get Matt Cardona versus Frank the Clown for a GCW title match, but we couldn't get John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima. Well, it's funny because it might. Uh... Now that you mention it, it would be really interesting if John Moxley is doing his tour of Japan, uh, so to speak, on his road to Tanahashi. And then one day Zack Ryder comes in because he wants his GCW belt back. His universal and, GCW yeah, universal his, title <laughs> with the spinner with the spinner on it. <laughs> yeah, so he attacks Moxley on Dynamite and that sets up a GCW no holds bar death match for the GCW title on Rampage. Yeah, How um, insane would that be? You know, I mean, Cardona is working with Impact, and he's—I mean—and he was part of uh, he was part of AEW for a little bit for a cup of yeah. coffee last year. So why not? Yeah, so, yeah, this is all possible, and that's the beauty of AEW that we can have these crazy ideas and conversations and say. You know what? This may actually happen. This isn't outside the realm of possibility. Now, the other thing that was a, a tragedy from this match is that the fact that, despite the fact that there is a Ganella Bakery five miles from the Now Arena, uh, there was no <laughs> there was no bread being given out for Satoshi Kojima. No, 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 no fresh, warm baguettes to to be served. Unfortunately, and when they come back, when AEW comes back to the Hoffman Estates, hopefully that's rectified, as that's going to be uh, before Thanksgiving. So, as I suggested in our last recording, that doesn't exist. Baguettes and tickets. There we go. Standing yes. at the bread line. That's right. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, this match was fun. Uh, it, it was a a, a good. Clean-ish New Japan-style match. Uh, Moxie gets his elbow skinned at one point, and so he is—he—he uh, he has blood trickling down his arm uh, for most of the match. I think that may—I don't know how he would have skinned it uh, in this match. So I'm thinking maybe it was cut uh, on Saturday night, since yeah. he, he, you know, he delivered a de- you know a Death Rider onto Matt Cardona through light tubes at GCW. So it, it could have come from there. Uh, there was a funny bit with, uh, you know, Mox uh, biting Kojima on his forehead, which then Kojima returned the favor. And then afterwards, you could see Kojima gagging, you know, making like he's gagging on camera. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with the Delta floating around and John Moxley being in GCW, I'm sure John Moxley does not taste well. Um. Yeah, it, it was also nice to hear uh, the crowd actually yelling Ishia Bakyaro uh, for Kojima. It, it's been a while. Although you pointed out that, yes, he was an impact, but were there cra- were there crowds in impact by the time he Kojima was there? Uh, 
I want to say yes. He returned when they were still in Nashville at Sky Studio, and there were some people there. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. That, 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 that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Moxley does get the win after two Death Riders, not Paradigm Shifts. This was a New Japan match, so it was they were Death Riders. And uh, afterwards, he cuts a promo being very irritated that Hiroshi Tanahashi has not answered his challenge yet. And then cue up Kaze Ninare. Yes. Oh. A very. No one expected this. No we, one expected it, so it was We amazing. maybe should have, because, of course, Minoru Suzuki is doing a tour of the U.S. Indies in September and October. Oh, yes. Yes, he is. Yeah, four GCW shows, uh, among other things, and some New Japan of America work, too. But, uh, yeah, Minoru Suzuki answers the call for Moxley, and the what should have been the best feud of 2020 before the pandemic derailed that is back on. Uh, Suzuki and Moxley go at it with elbows. Uh, Suzuki gets the upper hand. Guy-style pilot driver and Hoffman Estates was absolutely in love with Minoru Suzuki. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He was over. Moxley was over. The moment. I don't want to say it was over because it was just starting, but it was over as well. Again, letting these two guys go face-to-face, letting the moment breathe. Uh, it was fantastic. And on Dynamite, set up the match for Dynamite, Moxley, Minoru Suzuki, it's going to be amazing. Yes. Um, yeah, that, that, was, that was hot fire. And only the first of four shock appearances on this show tonight. So, oh, yeah, we are not done. Oh, yeah. At all with the appearances. Oh, yeah. Uh, this leads into our third match of the evening uh, for the AEW Women's Championship. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, versus uh, the Galaxy's favorite alien, Chris Statlander. Um, yeah, this was a good match, too. Oh, yeah. Statlander and Baker, another good match. Uh, so right now, AEW is 4-0. and oh. Or three and zero. Oh, if you just want to count the actual pay per view, the build and the series, the build to this match, uh, not only on the pay per view as far as the positioning is concerned. So being the third match on the card after two hot matches, but the build in storylines, building up to this match, very good, very solid. It wasn't convoluted. It wasn't silly. Again, this isn't about a Japanese. Uh, shampoo commercial or anything like that. Uh, okay, so this is the second time you've mentioned this. What are you talking about? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? I'm talking about my new Japanese shampoo. No, um, <laughs> WrestleMania, what was it? WrestleMania 18, Edge and Booker T. The entire reason for that match and that feud was over a Japanese shampoo commercial. Edge stole Booker T's spot in a Japanese shampoo commercial. Is this a joke? <laughs> no, this this is this is real. Oh, oh wow! <laughs> yeah. So, and even at the time, people were like, "Come on, guys, you can just build to Edge versus Booker T," because that was a match a lot of people wanted to see at the time. And people were saying, "Okay, you could just do this. You don't need to do the complete silliness of two grown men 
upset about, oh, I can't be in a Japanese shampoo commercial and you get to this. I don't know. But yeah. So I, anyways, I, I, that's I, the I reference. Am, wow. I am. <laughs> so that's the reference. But uh, th- 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 this is what I missed when I wasn't watching wrestling, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You missed a lot. If I can think of any other. Hey, at least this match wasn't built around. I don't know. Yeah, Somebody, I, 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 someone's dog or something weird out there. Well, I remember the dog thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, oh yeah, no, you, you can't so, forget that. Yeah, no, I, I just, oh my, wow, you know, I, I, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and this was the only viable American company for twenty years, huh? <laughs> exactly, and oh. so now Statlander and Britt Baker are showing that there's a new company in town. And new sheriff, new rules, new presentation, and it's been great. The match itself, again, it had a nice build to it. Uh, when the bell rang, both women already had their working boots on. Uh, the match didn't overstay its welcome. Statlander did lose, uh, but she lost in a strong way. She lost in a way that didn't make her look bad. Obviously, there's a rematch uh, if she wants it. Uh, Statlander can still go and touch other people within the division and still look strong, still appear as a number one contender. I really love this match. I think uh, Britt has done just an amazing job in her role. Uh, When she started out, when she was first hired by AEW, she was essentially made into a meme. I'm a dentist. That was it. That was her character. Yeah. And people rolled with it for a while, but you could see that the wheels were fallen off somewhat because they said, okay, this woman's getting a lot of TV time and she has no character. What's going on? And then she turned heel. And then the character came. And it's just been a rocket ship since then. She is amazing. Full package. You know, I wasn't sold on her when she signed. I'm all in on Britt Baker. I'm a fan. Yeah, she yeah, she she has been yeah, the the absolute turnaround she's done since in in the dynamite era has been amazing. And she is now, you know, one of the highlights of the show now. Exactly. On, on a consistent basis. So, uh anyway, yes, uh Britt Baker does retain uh still continuing as the third, no, I'm sorry, fourth uh AEW Women's World Champion. Uh, we then get a promo from Andrade El Idolo e Chavito Guerrero um, hyping up the match that was supposed to happen here. It is not, but it is will be happening on Rampage this coming week. So um, Paul Sebastian will get to discuss this match uh, in detail on Friday through uh, twitch.tv slash wrestling brain immediately following AEW Rampage on Friday nights. This goes into our fourth match of the evening for the AEW World Tag Team Titles in a steel cage match. Uh, Executive Vice Presidents Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks versus Penta El Cero Miedo e Rey Phoenix, the Lucha Brothers. Um, okay, so the Lucha Brothers entrance, I was not sold on when it started. By the end, I was completely into it. Yeah, I'm not really a fan of when it comes to just pro wrestling entrances. I don't like when there's a bunch of people involved uh so and what i mean by that think of john cena's a lot of people claim it's a really good interest john cena where he has 100 guys that have his silhouette and profile just standing in the ring or uh as we're talking about all out 2021 the dancers 
and the guys that are just wearing cheap lucha masks just standing there doing Pentagon's taunt, doing his signature uh, Zero Mero. The rapping was fine. The live performance was fine. Uh, again, the people on the stage, that was just corny to me. That's just a me thing. I understand everyone else enjoyed it. But the Lucha Brothers came out, and they looked like stars. They looked like stars. They received a star reaction. And then the match itself. If anyone was not a Lucha Brothers fan coming into this, this was the match that probably made him a fan. Then, then, then first of all, what's wrong with you? Second of all, <laughs> a, a lot. <laughs> because holy shit! Yeah, I mean, again, I've only been saying this forever that you know, for me, Penta is one of my top three wrestlers in the entire world, active wrestler, maybe in the top two now. Honestly, <laughs> you know, yeah. the way it's the way things have been going lately. Um. Yeah, and of course, you know, the Young Bucks are, are full-on in douche mode now, as we've, you know, as we've noticed the last few months. Um, so, yeah, we had a, uh, a, a a cage, you know, a tag team cage match. Uh, Jim Ross needs to go away, because how do you call wrestling for this long and not realize that, yes, a steel cage tag team match is a tornado tag rule? <laughs> By its nature. Yeah. I have no idea what JR was doing or saying during this match. I've started to tune JR out um, because he does, in some cases, bring down the program or uh, bring down what's happening in the ring. Uh, the good night, everyone, from AEW Raw. What did he say? He, Monday he night said, AEW. He said WWE Dynamite oh, yeah. once. Yeah, yes. WWE Dynamite. And I'm just like, oh, this guy's getting paid too much. Anyone who's seen JR in New Japan, we know what this is. You know, so, I, 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 I I defended him for a while because you know, let's face it, 2017 was a very rough year for Jim Ross. Um, and also I, I, I did note because I was, you know, still actually watching NJPW on access that I thought that if he did pre like for the, the, the pre-tape material was fine because of course, if he flubs a take, he can go back and record it. Exactly. But live, he was just, he, he was just, you know, lost. And yeah, it was, uh, pretty bad. And, you know, it, yeah, he, he was just, yeah, I, I don't think he could keep up with this match, honestly. Um, the good news is, is that they remembered to actually use the cage in the match. Yeah, and they used it really well, uh, to the point that both Penta and Ray Phoenix were bloodied open, bloodied and bad. As were, as, as you know, Nick Jackson had color, too. And not just, you know, with the, the dye job on his mustache to look like Hollywood Hogan, either. Yeah, <laughs> and I noticed that. I looked at that and I said, huh, that's really interesting that they... Uh, they're really going in all in on their gimmick. Uh, now that they're heels, they grew out their beards, they're wearing weird clothing, acting like complete douches. And yeah, the Young Bucks, their heel run has been absolutely amazing. I've yeah, really no, enjoyed well, it. Well, they, they never should have been baby faces to begin with. No, these guys are, <laughs> to me, their best work is always when they're heels. They work yeah. well as a babyface because people automatically just cheer them and that's fine. 
but I really love not when they Chicago, get their hair they don't. Not in oh, Chicago, yeah, not, they don't. Not because, in Chicago. Chicago was booing the hell out for Well, them. and remember, you know, it was Revolution 2020, you know, in that match against Kenny Omega and, and Adam Page where the crowd absolutely turned on the Bucks in that match. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Chicago, not, not friendly to the Young Bucks anymore. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely not. So, but yeah, it was a great match. But, they brought out the Jordan ones with the thumbtacks on the bottom. Oh boy! And, you know, let's not you know, let's not you know, let, let's not take away from the fact that Chicago was all in on the Lucha Brothers too. Oh like, yeah, totally. Like they were was like the, the crowd was chanting Cerro Miedo" at the Young Bucks during their entrance. Yeah, and there was one part in the match where all guys are down. You think the match is over. And it's either Pentagon kicks out or Ray Phoenix kicks out or one of the was, Lucha Brothers was, I, makes a save. I think it was Phoenix, yeah. Yeah, and the crowd is just molten. They are just hot. That is pro wrestling. That's wrestling right there. When these guys care, when the wrestlers care, the people care. When the people in the back care, the wrestlers care, the people care. That's how it works. That's the ecosystem. That's the feedback. When you have people in the back who hate what they're doing and they want to bury someone or teach them a lesson or whatever the hell, then you get these crowds that don't care. They sit on their hands or they, quote-unquote, hijack the show. But this was just amazing. Again, one of those just amazing moments from All Out. I mentioned the Miro and Moxley stare down. Or excuse me, rather, the Miro Kingston stare down. Miro's music still playing. Loud Eddie Chance. These guys are just looking at each other. And then here, you have four guys giving it their all in a steel cage, bloodied up. And the crowd is just there along for the ride. It, yeah. it was an amazing 15 seconds uh, between that. Yeah, I mean, you know, both Lucha Brothers, you know, their their masks are ripped, they're they're gushing, you know. Of course, this by far was not the bloodiest cage match we saw this weekend, but oh, it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, GCW can 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 take that accolade, but um, anyway, in the end, the right team won. The Lucha Brothers get the victory. The new AEW tag team champions. Uh, I believe the. Hang on, I gotta count the. <laughs> I gotta count this. Oh, oh wait, oh wait, I got. Okay, so who was at first? It was Scorpio Sky and Frankie Gazarian. Then, uh-huh. then Page and Omega. Yep. Then FTR, the Young, the Young Bucks. So they are the fifth. Yep. They are the fifth generation uh, AEW World Tag Team Champions now. Uh, Penta El Cerro Miedo e Ray Phoenix. Probably long overdue because I, I we've been I've been saying for a long time, how do you not look at Pentagon and just market the fuck out of him? You know? <laughs> He's like oh, one yeah, of the most absolutely. He, he has I mean he, he, crazy kung fu moral combat skeleton guy, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. He He's amazing. He was amazing in this match. Uh, and I mean, then it's the one of the aftermath. high points of Lucha. One of the high points of Lucha Underground, too. Let's not forget. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One of the hallmarks of that brand. I mean, what him and his brother have done, uh, the Lucha Brothers and Ray Phoenix, has just been absolutely amazing. Uh, these guys are just in all reality. I mean, 
when we really think about it, these guys were obviously working with Triple uh, A, but outside of that, they did work in Impact, Lucha Underground, as you mentioned, various indies around this country. And no, they, they were, they were at all in too. Don't forget. yeah, they were at all in. So they they really established a profile for themselves, a high profile, seemingly out of nowhere, and just their work and their charisma and their look and just their dedication. I remember going to uh, WrestleMania weekend. Uh, you and I were there uh, in New York, and they did something like what ten shows that weekend. They did a lot. I, you know, yeah, I, they I, were I, all over the place. Yeah, they they were at one of the shows. I well, at least Penn, actually, no, they both were there because I forgot Ray Phoenix had a singles match at that show. Can't remember against whom though, but um, yeah, they were they were there because I remember seeing um, uh, Penda team with the Great Muda and Yoshihiro Tajiri against Low Key uh, Santana and Ortiz mm-hmm. at uh, at the House of Glory show. First time I first time I ever saw Great Muda live, and then you know Muda showed up at Madison Square Garden out of the blue. Oh yeah, and that was a uh, that was definitely a surprise and pretty cool to see as well. Yeah, but uh, anyway, yeah. Post match, uh, post match, we see Penta like waving to somebody, like telling. We're like, what? What? What is this? Who's he motioning to? It turns out to be like his daughter or somebody, who is yep. like in, in tears. It's like th- th- this really had like a big, you know, lucha apuestas feel to it at the end. You know. Hmm. Yeah, I was. Uh... Like I said, it was it was definitely it was emotional match. It was a great match. The crowd loved it, and then, like you said, that final scene with the bloody Penta giving his family a hug again. When these guys care, you care. And there were a lot of people who got a little teared up and emotional, just like, "Whew, man, you took me on a journey." And yeah, they deserve it. AEW deserves all the praise. Amazing match. If you haven't seen it, if you're listening to this, you haven't seen it, go watch that match. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, again, this was possibly the the best hour and a half of of a wrestling show I've seen in quite some time. You know, just just from from beginning to, well, the end of this match. Um, The next match, you know what, I think it kind of carried it, but... There's only so much you can say about a battle royale, which is what this was. This was our fifth match of the evening, the uh, the women's casino battle royale. Twenty one women. Um, I don't have the list in front of me because I don't want to risk my <laughs> laptop blue screening again, which may happen anyway. So uh, stay tuned for that, listeners. See if we can actually make it through this show this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but well, uh, don't don't say that because I I've said that before on a podcast. I did a recording a long time ago with Joe Gagne, and I said that, and I lost the audio. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, this nope, isn't so. Don't don't say anything. Nope. 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 It, okay. Yep. All right. Okay. Uh 21 women in the uh, women's casino battle royale, 20 of whom we knew ahead of time. Um yes. and then there was the Joker in this. Do we do we reveal the Joker? I don't know, should we? I mean, we're going to have to eventually. <laughs> All right, let's uh, we'll we'll give it to him then. All so, right, yes. y- 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 your surprise Joker entrant into the women's casino battle royale was none other than Ruby Soho, making her mm-hmm. AEW debut, her, her her predicted AEW debut. 
Yes. And Ruby Soho, again, one of these talents that you look at in WWE or wherever they were prior to AEW, and you see that this is a diamond in the rough. This is a woman who has a great look. She's been all around the world. She's experienced. I mean, she has charisma. Shakara, WWE, stardom, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Shimmer. I mean, Shine. I think she was in Shine as well for a bit. Uh, yeah, this is a woman who is well-versed, well-traveled. It, this is a, a fantastic pickup for AEW. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, spoiler, she does win the Casino Battle Royale after a an epic battle on the apron against Thunder Rosa. It was the, the, the last finals. I was disappointed that Ty Conti did not win this because I thought that she was pretty much the only one who had an actual storyline going on, at least on, you know, the, the the main programs. You pointed out yesterday that Big Swole and Diamante have a thing going on on the the, the on the, the dark and dark elevation shows. Correct. Yeah. So. Diamante and Big Swole doing their thing on dark and dark elevation. The expanded universe of AEW, just the universe of AEW. A lot of people focus on uh, the dynamite quadrant of the universe, but there's uh, other things going on. Uh, on Rampage, obviously, that's the other big show, and Dark and Dark Elevation. So, yes, Big Swole is uh, getting pretty big down there, or not down there, but on Dark, on Dark Elevation. And so yeah. is Diamante. They're putting in the work. Uh, it's all coming to a head this week on Dark Elevation. So that should be... Uh, pretty cool to see as well. Well, it should already be out now, of course, because we're recording oh, this yeah, on Tuesday. Yeah. So. <laughs> so whenever you hear I can't, this, you know, check. I can't keep up with all the shows. I mean, how, how does this this company have four shows in less than two years in existence? Well, see, I I thought about. Oh, I know, that actually, first, slightly, I said, it's actually slightly over two years. I sh- I, I misspoke. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, but I thought about that as well. I said, wow, this is a lot of shows. They should really only have dynamite. But then I thought about it and I said, okay, well, Tony Khan is obviously thinking ahead because a lot of these guys signed contracts that are just for three years. So a lot of these contracts are starting to come up and there's going to be some people that are going to leave uh, because they want to leave or Tony forces them out, whatever it may be. We've already seen Awesome Kong, Earl Hebner, Mel, Shayna. Uh, those are four that have been quietly released from their contracts. Uh, obviously, Jimmy Havoc uh, was released uh, due to uh, his outside. Him being a scumbag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just long story short. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, Tony Khan is doing his magic there. But for the whole purpose of Dynamite, uh, excuse me, rather, uh, Dark, Dark Elevation, Dynamite, and Rampage, uh, Dark is going to be more so, as he described, WCW Pro, WCW Worldwide, where outside talent can come in and people that they're working on, like a Big Swole or a Diamante or a Julia Hart, Penelope Ford, et cetera, et cetera, where they can get some ring time, camera time in, and they're still part of that canon, the AEW canon, the AEW universe. And then you put them on Dark Elevation, which is usually the pre-show to a Rampage or a uh, uh, dynamite 
And so now these people have road experience outside of a studio and things like that. So it it totally makes sense. It's, it's like he's setting up his own development system without calling it development. Um, and I've always been a sucker for the WCWC shows. You, you know, it's Sunday or Saturday. You give me WCW Pro Worldwide, WCW Main Event, and then unfortunately Saturday night, uh, WCW Saturday Night was no longer an A show. It became one of those C or D shows, if you want to look at it like that. Uh, but yeah, I'm all for the amazing, random ass matches. People from outside that you don't think you'll ever see coming in and just tearing it up. So, I mean, it's, R- Ricky it's, Shane it's Page fun. has been showing up on. Yeah, exactly. On this. And so, if Ricky Shane, if listen. Dark and Dark Elevation are worth it because Ricky Shane Page showed up. So as long as we keep getting him, uh, Lee Moretti, and just so many people like that, I'm fine with it. Let's keep going. And the best thing about this is kind of like just comic book lore or just any lore, uh, really, except for Fiend lore and Malachi Black lore. We won't get into that. (laughs) But (laughs) the, the good stuff. We're talking about the good stuff where you can just watch Dynamite if that's what you want to do, and you'll be able to know everything that's going on. But if you really want to dig deep into it, there's Dark and Dark Elevation. It's that expanded universe, and like I said, it's beautiful. And I, I like it. It's uh, it's optional. It's not mandatory. And if there's anything that I see on dark or dark elevation, yeah, don't, don't, that don't get me started about don't get me started about all the the you know, about about comic book crossovers and things like that. Just don't get me started because yeah, <laughs> this is a crossover. They're crossing over. <laughs> I'm just not a fan of that whole thing. I, I, I mean, I, I'm a huge comic book fan. I am not a fan of crossovers. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a fan of having to buy books I don't currently read to get oh, yeah, the, the that... full story. Yeah, but anyway, uh, <laughs> back to this. Uh, yeah, Ruby Soho, your winner, the next presumptive challenger to Doctor Britt Baker, DMD. Um, I don't know. Did they ever face each other in the Indies? Cool. I can't imagine that they couldn't have. You know, uh, not that I remember. Hmm. Okay. Well, I guess we might have might have to look that up, but that's not something that immediately stands out in my mind. I I, I, I throw this up on Cage Match right now, but the problem is again, I don't want to open up any browsers right now because I don't want to crash my <laughs> computer in the mid recording again. Yeah, I'm going to be going computer shopping after <laughs> immediately following this recording. By the way, so stay tuned to the results of that. Um. But anyhow, how this goes, there may not be. A, we may have to postpone uh, "Boom Goes a Dynamite" this week because of this. So. But you know, sometimes these things happen. Yeah. Our sixth match of the evening: uh, <laughs> Chris Jericho versus Maxwell Jacob Friedman in the final fight. If Chris Jericho loses, he can no longer wrestle in All Elite Wrestling. Um. Now here is where it gets a little bit standard. And there was some great heel work by MJF at the beginning where he he, he homaged the the you know the Y2J entrance at the, at the very beginning. But I I have to be frank, you know, as much as MJF it does, you know, do some good heel work at times, it still pales compared to what, you know, Matt Cardona did in GCW this weekend, in my opinion. 
That is unfair, Jeffrey. You comparing MJF to Matt Cardona? I mean, if we're gonna, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> wow, you kind of channeled Paul there for a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's that's how many Paul for me. No, I mean, listen, Matt Cardona is amazing, and you know, I can definitely understand how. You know, seeing Matt Cardona and his antics throughout the weekend and you get MJF and you're like, oh, OK, I get it. But uh, <laughs> just sticking to the AEW universe or God damn it, I need to stop saying that. <laughs> uh, all this talk about Matt Cardona, I'm now talking about the universe. Everything's the universe now. Uh, so <laughs> MJF and Chris Jericho. Uh, yeah, he uh, MJF came in with great heat. Uh, this was the what fourth match uh, between these two, uh, yes. so obviously the crowd isn't necessarily one hundred ten percent invested uh, as far as the hey we've never seen this this is a dream match oh this has been building for six months and they've never touched each other uh, the stakes were different in this match this was hey, Jericho may not wrestle in AEW. And it's believable because Jericho had his arm in a sling, or rather in a brace for a very long time. Uh, this guy has obviously gained weight. He's obviously getting older. I think he's, what, 52 now or 53 or whatever Something he like is. That, yeah. yeah. He does commentary on Rampage. He has his band. He's hosting cruises. This is a guy who doesn't need to wrestle. He just doesn't need to if he doesn't want to. He has so many other options money so many other ways and one of the things about AEW when they have a stipulation they stick to it Cody Rhodes lost his chance to fight for the world title and he's never fought for it again it's true he's never been in a six man there's been no four pack chat nothing he hasn't been in that match for years at this point and so when you hear hey this is going to be Jericho's last match in AEW this is what happens when you create a product or you do something where everything you do matters, it means something, and you stick to your stipulations. There now, was actual thought. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to finish by saying people actually thought, hey, Chris Jericho could just leave and go do Rampage, and this just might be it. So that's all I was going to say. You know, I think there might have been more of that drama had – Chris Jericho actually won the fir the, the 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 fifth labor because I thought this was a foregone conclusion that Jericho was winning mm -hmm. because you know you, you, you don't do you're not going to put him up three and oh you know four and oh and then have him retire and then make MJF the guy he could never beat you know yeah I I think it, it had Jericho actually won the you know the fifth labor of Jericho against MJF I think there might have been a uh, there there might have been uh, some more drama in there, and then you know, and then that went into a dusty finish, like the first dusty finish in AEW that I can think of. Yeah, they... I can't I can't think of them doing this uh, any time before. And again, this is what happens when everything means something. The moment this happened, everyone's like, whoa. Is Jericho really done? But his foot's on the rope. The referee comes in. Uh, is it Paul Turner or is Paul Turner employed in somewhere else? No, well, it was Paul Turner. Way. Yeah, it was Paul okay. Turner. Yeah. Okay, so Paul Turner comes in. He's talking to the ref. The crowd knows what's happening. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So here we have a bunch of grown men and women. <laughs> they, they, they went to VAR. Being eight-year-old kids <laughs> telling the ref, pointing to the, hey, he's got his photo. It's beautiful. That's what wrestling's supposed to be. You draw them in. And so, and they don't do this all the time. So the one time they do it, it's in a big match. It means something. And it's against one of the biggest heels in the company, or rather it involves one of the biggest heels in the company against one of the biggest baby faces, first AEW champion, a Hall of Famer. Nobody wants to see him go. So everyone's, yeah, 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 restart the match. Yeah, hey, I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't go that far, but yeah. <laughs> you don't think Jericho's a Hall of Famer? No, 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 no. I wouldn't say that nobody wants to see him go. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I, <laughs> Let's just say that, that, that let's just say that there is some questions about where his wife was on January sixth. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we uh, yeah, we know where she was. But yeah, there. I mean, there, there's definitely. Listen, Chris Jericho as a in ring performer, that's cool. Chris Irvine. Yeah, uh, we, 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 yeah, we've made that distinction a few times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't talk about Chris Irvine on this show. Chris Jericho though is pretty okay. But he may need to, uh, like I said, he's getting up there in age, and uh, he's going to have to pick his spots a little better as far as what he does in the future, uh, as far as matches. Yeah, I think we. I don't I, think. Yeah, I think we, as we've said if Chris Jericho was actually ending his ingring career, it would be like a big spectacle, like you know, oh, yeah, akin course. to like you know Antonio, you know the, the, the Antonio Inoki's final countdown, where it just drags for like four years, you know. <laughs> Well, he does have to get his revenge match against Fandango. Because <laughs> uh, Chris Jericho was upset about that. Oh, boy. So, let's get that in. Uh, in any event, uh, this match was not bad. It was kind of standard, though. You know, it, it, compared to, like, how the the first hour and a half, two hours of this show has gone, this is, like, the first really standard match like it wasn't actively bad in any way shape or form it was just a match you know yeah and you know the thing about AEW is they do a lot of these insane matches as you said the first two hours the first two hours of the show uh pretty amazing pretty I mean, we, we, insane yeah I mean, we, we got the first three out of the first four matches were title matches mm-hmm. you know yeah so it started off really hot and so you know, bringing the show down a little, not down in a negative way, just, but just bringing it down in, okay, we've seen these guys fight multiple times. There's a different type of investment. I think that in the other ones, people really wanted to see the match and obviously the outcome. But in this one, people, I don't want to say necessarily wanted to see the match, but they were invested in MJF and or Chris Jericho, and they were more so invested in the outcome. Uh, so I think this was the biggest character match, if that makes sense, uh, on this card. Right. But in any event, Jericho does get the win after the restart. Uh, he taps out MJF. So, hey, guess what? The the result we all knew was going to happen, happened. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, so... With that, we move on to one of the other hotly anticipated matches tonight. I thought that this might actually turn out to be the main event, but was not. Um, and I guess your your dog has some opinions on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, the returning Bill Brooks, CM Punk versus 
Darby Allen with Steve Stinger. Uh, well, for a second, Steve Stinger. Anyway, he he, he went into the back. Um, yeah, the, the the heroes welcome that that Punk got was was amazing. And, and he's wearing long boys now too. Yeah, seven years in the making. This was the big return. Originally, I thought it was going to be CM Punk and Darby in the main event, and because of Chicago, is Punk's big return, but. Uh, this match being in this spot makes so much sense. It takes the pressure off of Punk and Darby uh, because in all reality, there's if this match was the main event, I think a lot of people would have walked away and said, oh, that was kind of disappointing. Oh, it wasn't really what it was supposed to be. I think that would have happened. I think people would have still appreciated it, but there would have been that, oh, well, we didn't really get to see that guy that we wanted to see. And so this match being in this position took a little pressure off Punk, allowed the crowd to fully invest in this, while also uh, waiting around for the main event and see some other stuff. I think Punk did a good job in this in that he did not just spam his moves. This wasn't a greatest hits of, hey guys, remember this? He's actually saving some of his stuff for future matches. Very well done. Darby Allen, just absolutely amazing. Really good first opponent for Punk. This was a good match. Now, there is an elephant in the room here with Darby Allen. Uh-oh. Um, that the, uh, now, we, we knew during speaking out that there, it was one person at the time had said something. Now it seems like it's more, there, there are more and more people starting to come out and say things about Darby Allen. And I don't think it can be ignored at this point. Now, so far, we haven't seen AEW take any action, uh, any public action uh, towards Darby. We've seen in situations like this before, again, uh, when AEW finds one of its employees or contractors in some sort of controversy, uh, as we've seen with Max Caster recently, uh, they normally push him aside. Uh, the same thing happened with Sammy Guevara. Um Having right. him take some cat classes, etc., putting him off TV just for a little bit. Right, and uh, we also it, we just discussed Jimmy Havoc too, which was correct. a similar thing to what Darby Allen's been accused of. Mm-hmm. So, and then of course uh, Tony Khan just doesn't want to work with Joey Ryan for various reasons, well, and Darby, <laughs> I don't know, nobody should be. But, yeah, you know. and then when we take a look at you know when the elite. So when it was the Young Bucks, Adam Page, Cody, and Omega all going to All Elite, but Marty Skrull wasn't? Okay, sure, he was still part of Ring of Honor, but after that, he didn't come over? It was just, it was just one of these weird things where, again, I think Tony knew something that a lot of people uh, discussed or knew about in there, the past, there, there just decided been, to not avoid there, there had been rumors about Skrull for quite some time and those but well okay we're gonna say this at one point everybody it seemed like everybody in in british wrestling was being called a nonce and then well it turns out maybe that might not be too too far off the mark it turns out yeah so i mean at this point i mean i i feel i know paul's not here right now so i'm sure this will come up again on you know the next time we do boom goes the dynamite but yeah so we 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 do have to address this i think Mm. and by we i'd also mean tony khan or or the company in some way shape or form 
Because yeah. you know the, the the difference was with everybody else you you've mentioned is that they're not one of the big names, and yet here's Darby Allen getting this very high profile match. You know, against the returning CM Punk, he gets put in with 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 you know Steve Borden Sting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, there seems to be a little bit of a, a, a of a different rule in play here. I yeah, think. we're not. Yeah, we're not sure of the entire uh, story here. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, as time goes on with Darby Allen and AEW. Yeah, I think uh, again, the, the, it is a very, very, very large elephant in this right now. But all this being said, uh, Punk does get the win. He had to hit two go to sleeps on um, on on Darby. Uh, Kenta, did you see Kenta's tweet? <laughs> I did. I did see Kenta's tweet. Yes, <laughs> I knew and, that and was coming. <laughs> and that's a match that's gonna have to happen. Tony oh, yeah, Khan, yeah, yeah. let's do it. Yeah, I mean Kenta's already been in AEW. Yeah, <laughs> in, you he's, know. he's in New Japan. He's already he was already in AEW as you mentioned. This can happen. Yeah, and I think it will. We, we, we need to get Kenta in here again. <laughs> Kenta has one of the best Twitter accounts. It's true. Um, afterwards, we get three eras in one ring. Uh, you know, between Steve Stinger, CM Punk, Darby Allen, all showing respect to one another, which was a, a nice moment. But again, there, there, there is this cloud hanging over. You know. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it didn't take away from the match. It didn't seem to affect the crowd any. But Again, I think it, it, it behooves us to, to not ignore this and, and to, to delve deeper into it. Yeah. Uh, after that, we get an announcement for uh, the, the date for Full Gear. Uh, it is on November the 13th, 2021. We are back to having AEW pay-per-views on Saturdays the way Jesus intended it. <laughs> Oh, yes. I do love the AEW Saturday pay-per-views. The Sunday pay-per-view this Sunday was uh, felt pretty weird, uh, to say the least, for me. At, well, at uh, least... But I wonder if they're going to do all out. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I think the plan now, I think I remember hearing this, is that the plan is that Double or Nothing will be on Sunday because that's Memorial Day. It's the mm-hmm. day before Memorial Day. And then also, uh, All Out will be on Sunday because it's the day before Labor Day. But then... Um, Revolution in full gear will be on Saturdays. Okay, and, yeah, and that's it, what we, I was we need say. a day to recover. You know. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I was thinking that as well, since they want to make all out their big uh, WrestleMania type of show, uh, to so to speak. Uh, so yeah, having it on Sunday, which allows for the fan fest and other events to happen, etc. And then you know, like you said, the whole Labor Day weekend thing. Uh, so yeah. So but yeah, yeah I, I do prefer Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Saturday we're yeah, it was good because then we had Sunday to 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 record about it, you know. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's fun and so Tuesday that we're doing this now. <laughs> yeah. Our eighth match of the evening, the semi this was the semi main event and this is the the, the one head scratcher I had, but also it may it kind of makes sense cuz you want to cool down after after that before the main event. Uh Paul White versus QT Marshall. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, that this was only this was a sub three minutes, and, and it was what we what we needed to be. Just you know, Paul White just choke slamming 
people, and that's it. Oh, yeah. I told people when the moment this match was announced, a lot of people were, oh, why is this happening? And I said, guys, listen, this isn't Paul White versus uh, Kenny Omega for the world title. This isn't Paul White taking on the Lucha Brothers, you know, one on two. This isn't that. This is Paul White versus a Ham and Ager, a Jobber, QT Marshall. This is no way going more than five minutes. Uh, I specifically said four minutes uh, multiple times. And this match was three minutes, ten seconds. This was the cool down. They came in, they hit the big stuff, and then they went home. Uh, again, do I want to see Paul White step in the ring? No. Do I care about him? Not really. Do I think he can go? Absolutely not. And we saw the little that he did with QT looked terrible. I mean, this guy was limping. He just really looked bad. But again, this was a cool down. This was the largest athlete in the world who's highly decorated, 20 plus year veteran, you know, WCW champion, WWE champion. He's in the co-main event. He's cooling down less than four minutes. It wasn't a big deal to me. And it was fun. The crowd enjoyed it. It was good for what it was. Yeah, it, it was what it was. Uh, we then get um, John Moxley cutting a promo where we, you know, get the official announcement that uh, John Moxley versus Minoru Suzuki will happen on this Wednesday's Dynamite, and then we get a Malachi Black promo uh, against uh, Dustin Rhodes. And the longer this goes on, the longer I just do not care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't. I, I don't care anymore. My son happened to walk by during during the the the, the Flash announcement. Of you know the the with the you know the 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 graphic card of of Dustin Rhodes versus Malachi Black and my son goes goes why are there two guys both trying to be Darth Maul? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. By the way, my son he does not care about wrestling at all. So it's, it, oh, it's, wow. it's fine. It's whatever. You know. <laughs> he's also you know he he's almost seven. He's gonna be seventeen at the end of this month. He can make his own. You know. It's, it's yeah. What he's in. I mean, it's it's whatever. Although he was, he, he did like the uh, the, uh, the 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 Marvel match at Triple Mania, though. He did like that. Oh wow! <laughs> oh. Yeah, especially with uh, El, El, El Furioso breaking through the wall. Yeah, and the the Hulk wrestlers. So our main event of the evening for the AEW World Championship: uh, Executive Vice President Kenny Omega versus Impact. World champion. I'm glad he actually wore the belt in this. Uh, unlike another, you know, champion who didn't wear his belt today. <laughs> Looking at you, Moxley. Uh, Christian Cage. Um, this was pretty good. Overall. Oh, of course. Yeah. I think that Christian Cage is Kenny Omega's best opponent. Some people say Okada. No. Christian hasn't had as many matches with Omega as Okada's had with Omega. Uh, but Christian, the two matches that he's had with Kenny Omega, I feel that he brings out the best. Uh, so some of the tendencies that you may see in some Kenny Omega matches aren't necessarily there with Christian. Uh, to be to be fair, Kenny Omega only had four matches with Okada. But correct, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Yes, he's only had four matches with Okada and two with uh, Christian Cage. Uh, but yeah. I would say Christian Cage is, I really enjoyed their match on Rampage. I really enjoyed this match. Again, some people were saying, oh, man, CM Punk 
versus Darby should be the main event because of CM Punk's return. But it makes sense that this was the main event. This is the world champion, and plus, there was a little something that happened after this match. Yeah, uh, yeah just, uh, just a little something that happened. Uh, I, I do want to make <laughs> note of the really bad table break for Christian. Because where the 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 way that the table broke, the the leg went right into Christian's ribs. Yeah, yeah that that did not look good. <laughs> no, that did not look like that was fun at all. Yeah, and also let's face it, we we, we are completely done now with the 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 elite and Don Callis bullshit, right? <laughs> <laughs> Done as far as like, like, like you're over it, tired. Yeah, like yeah, Bed Bath and Beyond, tired of this shit. Yeah, yeah. It was it's one of these things where it's like, ah, okay, guys, let's uh, tone it down a little. This isn't the you guys aren't the NWO. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and that's you know what we don't want. We don't want a rehash of this at this point. Um, so uh, Omega does get the win over Christian Cage with a one-winged angel, the the most protected move in professional wrestling, mm-hmm. like the, the the absolute most protective move. Um, afterwards, uh, Jurassic Express do come out to try to help out uh, to try to help out their buddy uh, Christian Cage, and then we get uh, the lights go out, and Adam Cole appears. But of course, Adam Cole, you know, remembers where his bread's buttered, and he's joining up with the elite. Yep. Because who who actually wants a baby face Adam Cole? <laughs> guy's always been a no. guy's always been a snake. <laughs> well, of course, yeah. You don't want a you don't want baby face Adam Cole. But again, this is one of those things that same thing with Malachi Black. Uh, people knew that. There was something going on and that he most likely will not resign. And there's rumblings that AEW's interested. And so people expected Malachi Black in a few months. And then next, you know, he's on Dynamite. And that's the same thing with Adam Cole. There was a lot of conversation and talking and people said, okay, well, he's most likely going to stay because they're going to throw a ton of money at him. But if he leaves, he'll probably show up, you know, later this year. No, he showed up tonight or not tonight, but at All Out 2021. Uh, big surprise, huge surprise. You could hear it in the uh, reaction from the crowd. You could see it on their faces. Absolutely surprised. And yes, he eventually got into the ring, did his Adam Cole baby thing, and then super kicked Jungle Boy. He hugged with the elite. The super elite is back. And then Mount, Kenny Mount, Omega. Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, Mount Rushmore. And then uh, Kenny Omega wished us all a good night. And then Flight of the Valkyries cues up. <laughs> yeah. The club remix of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we were hoping for the final countdown. Yeah, we, we were hoping for the final countdown. And the thing that would have been awesome, the problem is it's just... Uh, it's just one of those unfortunate things that... Uh, Apparently, it just costs too much. Just long story short, apparently, uh, Europe wants to charge. Uh, this is what Lenny Leonard said uh, when they wanted, when Ring of Honor wanted to use the final countdown for Brian Danielson. Europe wanted to charge fifty thousand dollars each time they play it. So not fifty thousand dollars for you know, hey, fifty thousand dollars for the next 
three to five years, you can play this, whatever. No, 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 no. Every single time. And so I think that it was a good idea that Tony Khan didn't say, okay, fine, let's just do it tonight. And then all of a sudden, come Wednesday or whatever, Brian has new music and people would expect the final countdown. And they'll say, hey, what's going on? Uh, so I think it's pretty good that they just got right to it and said, okay, we're not going to play any games. Let's just create some original music. Let's just base it a little off of uh, something that's familiar because, again, we're going with the final countdown, would have been very familiar. Everyone would have known who it was because you can't use that as his most famous song. Let's use his second most famous song add a little remix to it, give it a club vibe, and go from there. Right. So I mean, they did, something, they did something similar for Nick Gage, I mean, because they, they homage, you know, the, the opening to For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica. Mm. But obviously they couldn't do that because, you know, Metallica will charge mad money for it. Uh, I remember when the, the conversation was coming up about Orange Cassidy and how he ended up with, you know, the Pixies song, but... They actually tried to use get Jane from Jefferson Starship, but they never returned his calls, apparently. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Brian Danielson comes out, does his thing against Nick Jackson, mostly. So, Nick Jackson got, you know, the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> yeah, he did. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and Brian Danielson... And Adam Cole and Ruby Soho and Minoru Suzuki are all <laughs> in AEW now. Well, Suzuki at least you know for a week or so. You know he's got yeah. he's got a big tour. He's got more commitments to to GCW than he does to AEW right now. So, but uh, yeah, with that we close out all out twenty twenty one. I have. Uh, seen some discussion i have been involved in some discussion that this may be the best american pay-per-view since heatwave 98 uh where do you stand on that i definitely agree i think that this pay-per-view uh, for the long time there's heatwave 98 wrestlemania 17 as standards for quality pay-per-views for some of the best american pay-per-views of all time and i think now we have to add all out uh, 2021 to that list. Uh, is it better than Heat Wave 98? Maybe. Is it better than WrestleMania 17? <sighs> For my money, I would say yes. And WrestleMania 17's held that position as number one in my mind for a very long time, in my mind and my heart. Uh, so replacing it is not easy, but it's been a long time coming, obviously, as wrestling evolves and uh, there's new faces and new matches and new events. The record has to be broken, and in this case, I think they did it. Uh, spectacular pay-per-view from start to finish. Well, the only reason the only reason I'm going to put Heatwave '98 uh, above this one is because you know um, I was actually at Heatwave '98. Mm. <laughs> I was supposed to be at this one, of course, but <laughs> that that would have been really interesting if uh, you went to this one. How you would uh, if you feel the same way? Yeah, that that is interesting. That's something I gotta think about how how I might have felt about. It. But yeah, this, yeah, I I I don't think it's too hyperbolic to to say. And you know, it, it was pointed out in the group chat that I'm in by by Chris Damasceno uh, that uh, you, you can actually imagine in your mind Tony Khan actually thinking that he needs to outdo Heatwave '98 at some point. <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah, I, I think Tony Khan is probably sitting there saying, okay, I want a list of the 
five best wrestling pay-per-views or maybe the top 10 of all time. And he wants to create events where he can slowly cross off an event on the list and say, okay, Double or Nothing 2021 was better than this. All Out 2021 was better than this. Okay, we still have eight shows that I have to beat. Yeah, I think that would be very interesting if he was doing that. And, of course, this wouldn't be a, hey, we got to make this better than WrestleMania 17. Everybody get your ass out there. It wouldn't be that. This would just be more of a personal little thing that he probably doesn't tell anyone. But just the mark in him is like, all right, I actually did a better show than Wrestle Kingdom 14 or yeah. whatever. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it, and... Uh... Oh, what was I going to say? I was just about to say something. Real what I was going to say. So, <laughs> I mean, it was, um, I mean, I don't think it's too hyperbolic. I think, I mean, it definitely kicks all out 2020's ass because I, I was burnt by the end of that show. Yeah, and, and that's and that's another thing about this show is that they've done, they did a really good job of not burning out the crowd, it, of it, not overstaying its welcome because it, AEW shows have definitely done that. It, it it felt like a big show, and it, it, and it carried itself like a big show. Mm-hmm. You know, and like th- this was an important, you know, event in, in, in the AEW canon, and it, it, it worked. Now, I don't know. Can they do it again for All Out 2022? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I mean, All Out 2019 was pretty good. All Out 2020 nearly broke me, and... <laughs> Yeah, and you know this one was was absolutely fantastic. Like you know, my 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 honey joined me just to see just to see um, Mox and Kojima, and she ended up staying through till the beginning of the the women's battle royale, and absolutely loved you know the the uh, the tag title match despite the, the blood involved. Yeah, I mean it was just it. Yeah. It, Again, the, the the first hour and a half, two hours was definitely one of the best wrestling programs I've seen in quite some time. Mm-hmm. And you know the the whole show and, and you know the the ending to the show made this you know kind of epic too. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, and that's kind of the thing that we take a look at at shows. We remember the beginning, we remember the end, everything else in between. And when we start talking about that in between, we're talking about okay, well. CM Punk Darby Allen is kind of sort of in between if you want to look at it like that. And uh, you look at the Jericho. Oh, man. Hey, remember that? We thought the match was over and it wasn't. And the referee came in. So it was just really filled with great moments and memories and just really engaging throughout. Yeah. And uh, even even the one match that universally nobody gave a shit about didn't have to say it's welcome. It, 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 exactly. It was, you and, know. and that's the whole thing. If you're doing a big show versus QT match. Just be honest about what's going on. Three minutes in and out. You know, Big Show throws his stuff. Choke slam. That's it. Everybody goes home. Uh, and because they did that, no one's upset about that match happening. No one's really talking about it. Again, it was what it was. It was the cool down. And uh, that even make that makes the pay-per-view even better. Because if you want to watch this again all the way through, hey, the Big Show match is on. Time to go to the bathroom or you know, grab some popcorn or make a phone call real quick, whatever that may be. And then it's the main event. So yeah, yeah. it's great. Uh, there is one thing we need to discuss though, uh, which is oh. the, the amount of talents that are coming in and, and the types of talents that are coming in. 
Um, a lot of diversity issues are coming up again for AEW. Um, I speaking as a wrestling fan of color, I, I'm interested in getting your perspective on this. Yeah, my perspective is just mainly I've always believed that people should uh, the cream rises to the top. Or as Paul London says, the jizz rises to the top. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, in this case, the cream always rises to the top. If somebody is over, if the crowd is gravitating towards them, they're going to get their just due. In some cases, uh, there's obviously been situations where uh, in the past for pro wrestling, you see someone like in Monty Brown who gets no world uh, titles or isn't really put into position that he should be based purely off a of, uh, fan reaction. Uh, but as I'm seeing as of right now with AEW, I see a lot of prospects. I see a lot of people beginning their careers on the main stage. There are people uh, that have had wrestling experience on the indies, but never really on TV and never really as a character, as a mainstay character, as an anchor for a multi-million dollar brand. When we start to think about it like that and really start to factor in the business aspects, for me, it would be best to have someone like a Big Swole get the experience, get the fanfare, get everything that she needs. So when she becomes that anchor, no one can ever say, oh, well, she's only there because of this or that or uh, some cosmetic reason. But because she has the talent, she's put in the work, and she is over, and the fans love her. And it's the same thing with Red Velvet. I see them doing that with their uh, Dante Martins, getting big reactions. Uh, So everything is coming naturally. And so it doesn't have to be rushed. This is a marathon and not a sprint. And we could see what happened in the WWE over the last 20 years when WWE forces someone down your throat. Hey, You want Roman Reigns? Well, whether you want him or not, he's going to be the champion, and this is what it is. Uh, So, yeah, I I think that as of right now, AEW is doing a lot to uh, spotlight its talent of various races, ethnicities, uh, the genders as well. Uh, But, again, I think that it really comes down to how you decide to digest the AEW product. I think that WWE uh, for a very long time, and again, we talk about that monopoly on pro wrestling. For the last 20 years, shows like Main Event, uh, Superstars, WWE Jack, Metal, etc., Velocity, none of that mattered. None of it. With AEW, things that happen on Dark and Dark Elevation, it actually matters. There's actually stories going on. There's actually progression going on. And I think that some people just fail to uh, remember that Dynamite is only two hours. And we can't just say, hey, let's put someone of a particular skin color on Dynamite, regardless of whether they're over, uh, regardless of whether they're a great worker, regardless of whether their promos is where they need to be, et cetera, et cetera. So you have this, as I mentioned earlier, this universe, this AEW universe, where if you want to see Big Swole, you can fire up YouTube. There's various ways to watch uh, wrestling right now and to watch the AEW product. And so to me, I don't necessarily see it as I would from a 90s perspective of, hey, WWE Raw is on the USA Network. So that's a big uh, 
cable brand and TV show. And WC or excuse me, WWE Jacked is on the local affiliate at 1 a.m. or whatever it may be. Uh, so I think that for me personally, I I'm out of that 90s mentality and realize that there's various ways to consume wrestling right now. And it's all about what's the biggest thing to me. And I don't have cable. Uh, I'm on the internet a lot. Well, I don't want to say I'm on the internet a lot, but, <laughs> but I, you know, I follow things uh, via Twitter and social media, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I guess, you know, this is just a long way of saying that I don't see there being a problem right now uh, because I don't see – I see a lot of people getting opportunities. I'm seeing a slow build to things. I see a lot of things cooking. Uh, obviously, Tony Khan has something with Red Velvet. I mean, she was in the Shaq match. Same thing with Jade Cargill. The, one of the first matches uh, on Rampage – or not one of the first matches, uh, but the second – I believe it was the second episode of Rampage with the CM Punk debut – Jay Cargill versus Kara Hogan, you know, so I, I see all these placements and all these things happening. Uh, obviously, the Lucha Brothers are uh, tag team champions right now. I say give it time. I mean, it's there. The elements are there. Uh, trust me, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega have flat out stated that they don't want to do this for a very long time. They probably have three to five years left before the, all three of them retire. Uh, so but that next generation of talent white talent black talent uh, latino talent it's all there it's ready to go so i don't i don't see a problem as of yet i've like i said i've seen uh wwe and wcw being extremely problematic same thing with tna i haven't seen that yet with uh aew okay and that's fair i, I i'm not gonna go too much further in it myself because um i mean i i, I do see the criticisms and i'm not gonna you know dismiss them obviously because i think yeah they they, they do have a point um mm -hmm. but i mean i i do also agree that a lot of the criticism comes from bad faith uh, of course to, there's to, to, to a try lot to, of grifting to try to try to you know bulk up you know vince mcmahon which let's face it you know, any diversity initiatives that vince mcmahon has implemented has been because he's he got hammered to do it exactly you know yeah, and, and as you mentioned, the bad faith. I mean, there's a lot of grifting going on as well. Uh, there's a lot of people who want to reduce every single issue into race or every single issue into uh, sex. And there are people and to out be, there to like be, that. And to be fair, a lot of yeah. them can be. Correct, <laughs> Let's face exactly. it, and, and rightly yeah. so. Exactly, yeah. And, the, the, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not here to... Uh, deny that racism, sexism, etc. exists, because obviously it does. Uh, but I think that it is unfortunate when you, when some people want to just paint with a broad brush and say, all right, guys, all 10 of these situations are racist. And it's like, mm, okay, three of them are, yes, but the other seven, perhaps there's nothing in there and we should really discuss it and see what's going on. Uh, it's like a conversation. Well, it wasn't even really a conversation. I just remember someone on Twitter mentioned that, oh, hey, how come the Miz gets to do this? But if Nikki Bella does it, everyone's on to her. It's all sexism. And I said, no, there's other factors. And of course, this person didn't want to hear those other factors and just wanted to paint everybody who criticizes Nikki Bella as a sexist. 
one of the things that this person did not understand or even try to take into account is the fact that some people just watch wrestling for wrestling and they want their favorite wrestlers to wrestle and be there for wrestling. For a very long time and still to this day, there were a lot of people who got into wrestling just to do something else. They were only there as a springboard to get into movies, TV shows, commercials, music videos, start their singing career, whatever that may be. When Brock Lesnar and Bill Goldberg were booed out of the building at WrestleMania 20, booed out of Madison Square Garden, was that because of race? Was that because of sex? No, it was because people felt that these guys sold out. And you even heard that in the chants. When The Rock left, people gave it to The Rock because he sold out. And when he came back, he wasn't granted with a hero's welcome. It was more, hey, man, you sold out and now you're coming back. Was that race? Was that sex? Or was that just, hey, we like wrestlers that are here to wrestle? And so while there are elements of uh, Bella hate that is based in sexism. Absolutely. I'm not going to just uh, deny that. There are other people who just simply, hey, I just want to see my favorite wrestlers wrestle. I don't want to see him doing other stuff. And then the second thing that comes into that is The Miz started off as a reality show star. He started off doing commercials and all this other stuff, and he really wanted to get into wrestling, and he was a big wrestling fan, and eventually he got into wrestling. And then he started doing movies and TV shows and all this other stuff as well, and never really left wrestling because that was his first love. The Bellas never wanted to be in wrestling. They got into wrestling because they wanted to do movies, TV shows, and all this other stuff. They thought WWE would open the door for them for Hollywood. Once they did their first WWE run, they left so they can do Hollywood. Hollywood did not call them back. They received no jobs, no offers, nothing. They went back to WWE. They figured out a plan. They said, hey, we can be the Kardashians of WWE. WWE said, okay, cool, because we are a media company. We're an entertainment company. We're not a wrestling company. And the Bellas got all the opportunities that they got now. And so, again, is the, if I look at that situation as it happened and said, hey, I'm perfectly fine with person A, who was a reality star, TV star, got into wrestling, obviously cares about wrestling and is doing other stuff versus B, someone who didn't care about wrestling, only got into wrestling so they can do other stuff, got out of wrestling so they can do other stuff. That other stuff didn't pan out. So they went back to wrestling so they can do that other stuff. That's what I'm saying. It's always a more complicated conversation than just, hey, everything's sexism and everything's sexist and everyone is a sexist. Uh, so I guess that's just how I see the whole diversity thing. Uh, diversity isn't only just appearing, but it's the presentation and it's the handling. And when you have the roster, again, spread out through dark and dark elevation and rampage and uh, dynamite and people getting very – uh, feature spots and that's what they're getting and that's what it's building towards and you know like I said it, everything's going to come in time and when it comes it's going to be really great because everyone's going to be on board and everyone's going to be able to look at whoever that person is or whoever that man or woman is and they'll be able to say wow that person's the world champ because they worked for it not because Tony Khan is trying to check a box because you do not want to ever ever 
with that in mind, uh, Tom Batista, go ahead and plug yourself. Oh, that was my plug. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so the military industrial suplex uh, got an episode coming up with Candy Lee, a wrestler from New Zealand, going to talk about Paris's bumping and so many other things with her. Quick conversation with Candy coming up this week on the military industrial suplex. Of course, I am on the same network as Jeffrey, Paul, Chris, Days of Thunder, Shimmer History, and so many other great podcasts. And Jeffrey, thanks for having me. It's of course, great. thanks a lot for stepping in. Thanks for understanding with all my uh, my, my, my my technical issues uh, <laughs> that, that that we encountered. Uh, on that note, you can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter. Uh, my personal Twitter at GD Wessel two S's one L. Uh, this podcast is at BGTD Podcast on the Twitters as well. Uh, Paul should be back. On Wednesday, I'm not going to promise anything coming up because uh, with my laptop being what it is, I don't know what's going to happen. I know we have to do a G1 Climax preview soon. I know we have to do Champions League previews uh, on busting balls. But again, with my laptop being as fakakta as it is right now, I don't know when or if any of these are going to be coming. So <laughs> so stay tuned. It's going to be interesting finding out from all of us. So uh, with that in mind, Tom, any last words? No last words. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. Again, check out the Military Industrial Suplex when it drops uh, sometime this week. And I hope everyone stays safe and stays in love. And if you ever need anyone to talk to, feel free to reach out uh, to the people that you know, that you love, your friends and family, always stay close. And uh, with that, I'll uh, we'll we'll see you when we see you. I guess. Thanks for listening. <laughs>